It's going to be on the screen behind me, but I really encourage you to, to open up your Bible if you have one or, or go to the app on your phone and read it for yourself. There's something about opening up the Word yourself that just says, I want to submit to this, Lord. I want to learn from this today. So Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a great and awesome God. Lord, I thank you for this community. I thank you for this church, Lord. I pray that as they hear your word spoken over them and as they read your word, Lord, that they would just receive it with glad and generous hearts. I pray that you would forgive them the sins that they committed this week, Lord, that they would be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. I pray for myself, Lord, that you would also forgive me of the sins that I've committed this week, that I may be washed clean to be a conduit of grace to these people as I speak your word over them. Remind us over and over and over today, Lord, that we are one community united in Jesus Christ. And may we remember that all through this week, Lord. So be with us and may your Holy Spirit be powerful in us and through us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You may be seated at this time. So I'm really excited to be talking about a community today. It's something that I didn't always appreciate in the past, to be honest with you. I mean, in the past, I didn't usually have as much value as I do now on community. But as I've grown older, I've sort of realized the importance that this thing has in my life because I've weathered a few more storms and I recognize the importance of community. So here at White Oak, there are a few things that we really try to emphasize. Like we believe that everything connected to our faith is important in its own way. But there are some things that we really think are really special and that we really want to highlight here at our church. And we call those things our values. They shape us. They give us focus. They're basically our brand. They're they're what we want to be known by as a church. So, So we at White Oak Baptist Church want to be known in our neighborhoods, in Garden Oaks, in Oak Forest, and surrounding neighborhoods, we want to be known by these things. So Pastor John, uh, the elders, the teaching team, uh, we try to do everything we do to help guide us into these values so that they become a part of our DNA. And hopefully as we practice them and as we live in them, they will eventually become um, a part of us and second nature to us. So hopefully, as you know, something we've unveiled, our our vision statement for this church is this. I'll have it up on the screen. It's we exist as a creative Christian community helping people come alive to the wonder of the gospel. So as we talk about community today, you'll see that we've sort of embedded it into the fabric of who we are as a church. Community is built in to our mission statement. We exist as a creative community. Christian community. So today I'm going to talk about things like how do we live as a community? 
What are some of the blessings that we have for people who commit to community? What are some things that are expected of you and of me if we're going to be a part of a community of people who celebrate the gospel? These are the types of questions that the Bible is going to answer for us today. So I hope you guys are open and willing to receive the word. So before the Bible talks about how to be a community, first we have to let it define what makes us a community. You see, there's a lot of communities out there in the world. There's a lot of different things that people form communities around. To give you some examples, I'm sure everyone in this room identifies as an American. I'm sure most people in Houston, most people in the United States, whether you're from here or not, if you live and you work here, I'm sure you identify as an American. So that's a community that we have formed around. There are other things as well, right? People form communities around all kinds of different things, around race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status. We tend to group ourselves around these things. They don't have to be that serious. People group themselves around hobbies and interests. So if you're really, 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 really into board games, as I know some people in here are, you're going to form a community around board games and do stuff. And if you're like me, you're probably not going to join so close with that community. Now, the problem is communities that form around some of these things very easily fracture. Like the thing, the glue, the glue that holds those things together is sort of very weak. The bonds that hold those communities are so weak that they often fracture. Let me give you an example. So I said before that everyone in here probably identifies as an American, right? Have you turned on the news lately? Do we look like a unified country? No, we don't. So we identify as Americans, but the problem is that we also identify as maybe Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberals or libertarians. And so this this bond that we have as Americans is being fractured by other allegiances that we have to other things. So it's not as strong as we thought before. Of course, board games is a very weak community to form around. As soon as you lose interest or don't have money to participate, the community's broken. And so there must be a bond out there that is stronger than these things that is unbreakable. And the Bible definitively says that there is. So if you'll take back with, uh, look back with me at verse 23 in Hebrews 10, we're just going to go down these verses. And verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, for he who promised is faithful. To read it again with a little commentary, let us, not just me, not just you, but let us hold fast the confession of our hope, which is the gospel, for he who promised is faithful. So what does this text teach us? What sort of community is it talking about that unifies the people in this room, that unites you and me? The text teaches us, Scripture says, we are united by our one hope, the gospel. We are united by our one hope, the gospel. So we have formed a community not around uh, just a random interest, not around the fact that we just live in Houston, Texas, but we have formed a community around the gospel, So hopefully everyone in this room confesses their hope in Jesus Christ. We believe that he came, he lived a perfect life on our behalf, he never failed to sin, even though we fall to it all the time. He died on the cross in our place for our sins so that he would absorb the wrath of God. 
But we don't only just believe that, we also believe that he rose from the dead, right? And that he offers hope and salvation to anyone who trusts in him. And finally, we believe that one day he is going to come back and take our community to be with him forever and ever. This is our confession. This is our hope. And this is what we have built this church around, the hope of the gospel. And this has huge implications for you. To put it very simply, God plus you plus me equals community. If you take any factor out of that equation, you don't have community anymore. Or at least not the type of community that the Bible celebrates. Like, think about it. If we take God out of our fellowship and it's just us randomly meeting, that's not true community. That's not lasting community. That's just a collection of people getting together. Now, if I have God in me, but I take you out of it, that's really not a community either. Because when Jesus has called us to follow him, he called us to follow him in the context of a community of people. Jesus said, I am forming my church. And so when he invites you to follow him, he invites you to follow him with other believers. And so we can't take each other out of the community equation. This is the way that God had envisioned it for us. And so two things I want to draw from verse 23. Two implications for your life. First, gospel unity is our responsibility. Gospel unity is our responsibility. So we have a commitment to commit to each other. We have responsibility to commit to each other as a community. So even when things get rough, even when we have disagreements, Jesus has called us as one flock. He says, on this rock, on the gospel, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have formed ourselves around an unbreakable bond, which is the gospel. So gospel unity is our responsibility. But these verses are also very hopeful, because if you'll see in verse 23, after the, after the comma, what does it say? It says, first, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So that's our responsibility. We need to hold fast to the gospel. But after the comma, it has something very, very, very hopeful. It says, for he who promised is faithful. So we have our part and our responsibility to join together in community, to to join together regularly. But it's also very hopeful because it shows that Jesus Christ is the one who unites us and the one that's holding us together. As I said before, uh, Jesus said, On this rock, on the gospel, I'm building my church. And he says, even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the bond that we form around this church is much stronger than any other bond, any other common denominator that you and I may have in this world. Jesus is our bond. And so uh, Pastor John is not the center of our church. Uh, I'm not the center of our church. No other personality is the center of our church. We revolve around the hope of the gospel, and it's what holds us together. So if you confess Jesus Christ, you are a part of our community, and we want you here with us, walking with us. So that's the first part. First, we are united in our hope of the gospel. But it's not enough for us to just be a community of like-minded people. That's like not what the Bible calls us to. I mean, we're not just hobbyists who, who sort of meet in the same room just to save money. We are on a mission. See, when Jesus built his church, he put us on a mission. And here in Hebrews, I think it shows us a major part of that mission. What does it say here in verse 24? 
It tells us what mission God's put us on. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So in essence, our goal as a community is to encourage each other to love and good works. So we're not just united by one hope. We are set on a mission for one goal. The goal of encouraging each other to be more like Jesus Christ. And this has huge implications for you. Huge implications for your life and how we relate to each other. And the first is this. If you are going to be a community person, you must be others-oriented. The Bible calls us to be others-oriented. And this is totally opposite of what the world teaches us. It's totally opposite of our normal inclinations, which, which in the world it's me first, me first, me first, me first, and then maybe you. But in the gospel, in a gospel-centered community, it flips it right on its head. And it says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Gospel community flips the worldly mindset on its head. As Romans says, outdo one another in showing honor. Consider others as better than yourselves. Now here, as as we talk about sort of our mission and what we're supposed to be doing, I want to point out two things that I saw here. And they kind of relate to the Greek, which I don't always get into the Greek. Obviously, I hope you guys know uh, the New Testament was written in Greek and then translated into the language we have now so we can understand it. And uh, John and I do word studies whenever we prepare sermons. We don't always tell you guys because sometimes it's really boring. But this time, I saw something that was really interesting that I wanted to point out to you guys. So let's look in verse 24. And I want to point out two things here. It says, let us consider how. So remember that phrase. Hang on to that phrase. Consider how. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So I want you to to kind of get in your mind. Consider how. And then the other one is stir up. So those two phrases. We're going to press in real deep on those two phrases to get really, really practical. Uh, Consider how and stir up. So first, consider how. The Bible in this verse is is basically telling us to brainstorm ways to help each other love Jesus more. It has this connotation of like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think about what motivates John Wellington to to have a heart that's on fire for Jesus. What, What makes him tick? How is he wired and what helps him love Jesus more? And so earlier when I was talking about how the fact that I'm more like introverted, right, I'm really, uh, I'm glad I'm getting this thing on community because I'm sure John would have done a great job on it. Evan would have done a great job. Any one of the teachers would have done a great job. But I like that I'm giving this topic because I am an introvert. You guys kind of know the scale, right? So I prefer to be around smaller groups of people. I prefer one-on-one conversations. I don't like large groups of people. And hopefully some of you are also wired that way in there if you, if you are. I'm really sorry you have to go through life like that, but it's the burden that we bear as introverts. But uh, I'm also going to speak to you if you're more extroverted, if you really like being around a lot of people, that's good. I'm glad God wired you that way, but we need to kind of understand each other and the way that we work in order to encourage each other to love Jesus more. Or as we put it here at White Oak, to help each other come alive to the wonder of the gospel. And so here at White Oak, we offer a lot of opportunities for us to get to know each other. 
Because if you're going to consider how to stir someone up to love Jesus, you can't really do that from afar, right? you got to kind of know someone and know how they tick in order to get them uh, to know them enough to know how they're going to love Jesus more. And so we provide lots of opportunities here at White Oak. Community is one of our values. And so we have Sunday morning right now, right? We get together. We sing songs. We worship together. We have coffee. uh, So those different types of things. But we also recognize that that's really not enough for us to be in like true community. This is a big part of it. But it's not the only thing. It's hard for us to be community if we're just meeting on Sunday morning because typically it's, we sing together, but then it's one person speaking to y'all. You guys don't get to talk back. And so it's not quite building the relationships that we need. So that's why we offer small groups. And I encourage every one of y'all to be a part of a small group. We have them on Sunday morning. There's a lot of Sunday school classes that meet. There's, there's uh, meetings that happen off campus. And this is where we sort of share our lives with each other, go around the room. How was your week? What are you struggling with? Um, you know, all these sort of things. And so it requires on our part to open up our life to each other, which as an introvert, I hate. I would much rather leave the window of my life shut. But Jesus calls all of us, introverted or extroverted, to be a part of the community. But we just have to see for ourselves sort of how we're going to be best Um, served in that way. And so for me, to stir me up, just to give you guys some ideas, uh, to stir me up, I love, my bread and butter is one-on-one coffee shop conversations. Does anyone like, does anyone really like those or no? I got a few people. I mean, I love coffee shop conversations where I just get across from someone, drinking coffee, having the Bible open, talking, you know, praying through each other, sharing struggles. That encourages me so much in this life. And a lot of you are, are wired that way. And so we need to find, for people who are wired that way, and if you're not, you need to sort of uh, be with people and, and sort of uh, lead with them in that way and to do that. Even though if you're not super comfortable with having this sort of things, you need to, to think about ways to stir me up as a believer. And on my part, as an introvert, I need to remember that I need to be with you guys. And if you're wired like me and you'd much rather be by yourself, like reading a book or whatever, we've got to remember that there's no lone wolves in Christianity. We are called to be a part of a flock. And so we just need to find the way that we're best going to be a part of that flock. So that's the first thing. Consider how. We need to be thinking about ways throughout Sunday and throughout the week of ways we can encourage one another to um, be stirred up in affection for Jesus Christ. Now, the second phrase I wanted to bring up is this stir up phrase. And in the Greek, I'm just going to read the sort of definition of what this means in the Greek. It says, in the verse, it says, stir up one another to love and good works. But in the Greek, it means this. To stir up means to incite, to irritate, to provoke someone in a way that literally jabs or cuts someone so that they must do the thing that we're trying to get them to do. And I read that and I was like, oh, that's a really negative connotation right there. So I'm supposed to like kind of force you guys. But, but the Bible basically turns it on its head and it says we should be so committed to each other, so committed to stirring each other up to love and good works that it's almost like this thing where we cannot stop until we increase each other's joy in Jesus Christ. And that's the mindset that we want to have in a community. Not me first, me first, me first, but an us type mentality. A one another type mentality that the Bible calls us into. 
So we're united by one hope. We encourage toward one another, or we encourage each other toward one goal. But there's still one question left unanswered. How do we remain a community through thick and thin? What happens when the differences arise, or the feelings get hurt, or people sin against each other, or misunderstandings happen? How are we going to stay united as a community? And the answer to that question, and my last point is this. We stay a community by committing to each other in this one life. We stay a community by committing to each other in this one life. If you'll finish off in verse 25, it says this. It says, Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here we have two things. One, it encourages us to encourage one another. But it also has the negative side. And it says, do not get into the habit of not meeting together. And I don't know about you guys, but there have been times in my life when I have fallen into that trap of not meeting regularly with the church and it just starts out sort of little by little. Maybe like, you don't just want to go one Sunday, or, or maybe you're kind of like living in sin, so you just don't want to be around other people, and so you just gradually drift away from the church. And that happens really to all of us, I think. It certainly have happened to me in my life. And so here's this encouragement for us to not fall into that trap, because the problem is whenever we sort of drift away and away from the church, we have this lone wolf mentality, And the problem is, the Bible says we're not wolves, we're sheep. So a lone wolf can can kind of handle himself, right? But a lone sheep, a lone sheep, he's under a lot of danger. And so that's why Jesus calls us to walk together, to walk together as one flock and as one people under the shepherd. We should not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. We should not let it become a habit. And the second reason we shouldn't do that is you don't get to experience the blessing of community unless you commit to a community. The blessing that comes with being a part of a group of believers who are following Jesus Christ does not come unless you commit to walk with us. Like if you're here and you're just visiting and you sort of come sometimes, we love you, we want you to continue coming, but we also beckon you to to commit to walk with us. To open your life to us as we open your life to you and we share our struggles together. This is how we're going to be strong in this life. And this is how we're going to stay united by by staying as one community. So in closing, and uh, I'll invite the band back up. The three encouragements I have for you guys today is to be united in one hope, which is the gospel. Whenever we have differences in this life, we need to remember that we revolve around the hope that we have in the gospel. It is an unbreakable hope that supersedes any other differences we may have. Two, we encourage each other toward one goal, which is love and good works. So we need to be thinking about the ways that stir each other up toward love and good works. Think about how you're wired and how I'm wired in order to help you to serve me and for me to serve you. 
And lastly, we need to make a commitment to each other in this one life. We don't have anything if we don't commit to each other. It's what makes us a strong community as we walk through this life together toward Jesus Christ. And the last thing I wanted to point out and the thing that sort of puts this all into urgency and puts it into perspective is this. If you'll go back to verse 25, the last part. It says, encourage one another and do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what's this talking about? The day that it speaks of is the day that Jesus Christ is going to return. So it's kind of like the writer of Hebrews puts an exclamation point on everything that he's saying by saying that the end is drawing near. So as the world gets darker and darker and darker, we as a Christian community need to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. In a world that is not committed to each other, in a world that is all about me, we are called to be a counter-community. A community of love, a community of joy, and a community of peace as we commit to one another. A community that's so different from the world that when they look at us and when they see us and they say, wow, that is so different than what I'm used to. And we can only do that through Jesus Christ. I love you guys. I commit to you on my part as a community and I pray and I hope that you also will commit to me and to this church. So I'm going to pray over us that we would do that right now. Dear Heavenly Father, you're such a good God. I thank you for calling us out of the darkness into your light. I thank you for calling us into a community of light, to walk with people who love you, to walk with people who aren't perfect, but who are trying to follow you, Lord. I pray that White Oak would be a church where we commit one to another, where we think about ways to increase each other's joy in Jesus Christ, where we we willingly give up ourselves to serve one another. And lastly, Lord, I pray that we would give up this mindset of like, I just attend a church. To have a mindset of I'm committed to a community. I'm committed to a community of believers that profess and confess the hope we have in Jesus Christ. So I pray that over us this week that we may live and walk in this truth of living in gospel community. It's in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Spirit that we pray as one. Amen.